If you could know how many days left on this earth you had, no. Would you actually no. want to know? No. <laughs> okay. See, anything but Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter talking about our quiet times, talking about what we're going through in life with God and, and tying it back to what scripture says. I mean, every choice that you would make in the next 24 hours or whatever it would be, if mm-hmm. you found out, would hinge off of that knowledge. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. They work out for me in the, beautifully in this. If I found out it was something non-related to uh, diet, oh, man. <laughs> Oh, you would. Oh, I would go in. So I gluttony. Oh, well, I mean, in a reasonable sense, I wouldn't worry about how many calories is. No, load it on, baby. Honestly, load it what's on. What's really sad is that I started to kind of go there just now. Jay was like, oh, <laughs> Would you like your baked potato loaded? Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Every time. <laughs> you kidding me? Um, so there's been a couple things this week that have just, uh, it's kind of like that moment at a funeral mm. where you, it's just perspective. Where we don't think about death until you're sitting there and mm-hmm. somebody that you know, however well, has passed away. Mm-hmm. And it's always sobering at a funeral. It sure. al- It always reminds you this life is finite. Well, the closer you knew them, yeah, maybe the more impactful. But yes, if, if you're serious enough and you're not just sitting there because you, you got dragged along mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to really, wow, moments are fleeting. Hopefully it impacts you in a way that inspires you to, all right. You know, I do want to live my life a little bit fuller, whatever that looks like for you. I mean, this uh, I have a couple of things to share regarding this topic, and I hope it is inspiration because um, with one thing I'm going to share, I, th- I think it it always could go to a place of like, well, I don't want to know that. Thanks a lot for that. But to me, it was like, man, uh, live every day to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Um, do everything unto the Lord, everything that you do. And um, this is, I'll just start with this one. It was one thing that I saw on TikTok. Now, I don't, I don't think this is a Christian thing. It was just, uh, it struck me. Parents are both alive. Do you, are your parents alive? Mm-hmm. How old are your parents? 76, 74. And how often do you see them? Like twice a year. Okay. Let's say your parents live till 80. So they have five more years. Okay. Let's just say roughly. You would say I have five more years of my parents, but I would say no. You have ten more times with your parents mm-hmm. if you see them twice a year. And we don't think like that. We think ahead. You know, it's like nothing's going to happen. It's always going to be great. You know, in two years, we're going on a vacation. We're going here. Or I'm going to put it off. I'm going to do it next year. There's, when you start to think backwards, you have, it creates insane urgency. Yeah, and I was like, that's... If the <laughs> music is very dramatic. It's and, very dramatic. And I, I'm sitting here going, I, I totally get what he's saying. And I don't even know if his is from a Christian perspective, but my gosh, the Bible talks about that too, the sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, every day is a fight and a spiritual battle, but also the people around us that uh, we can share the gospel with. And the fact of you may be listening to this and, and you don't know where you stand with God. Absolutely. And, I've, we've all certainly had friends pass away way too young. And so and not that I'm I'm sitting here thinking it could be your last day. I'm not trying to, <laughs> to freak sure. you out and say that. But it is a sobering thought to think about. And he's so right. We do put it off. Yeah. We make plans for 10 years from now or retirement. And we we in so many ways should. But often our mindset is only stays there. Yeah. And can I just say, OK, so this is where things like that take me and maybe not you see for Carter I think it's like ah I want to make sure I'm reaching out to mom and dad more in the week or something Mm -hmm. like that and that's Mm -hmm. really I've been inspired to do that 
for what I could do, especially with that dramatic music. It sounds like the apocalypse <laughs> is upon us. I, uh, I think, oh, my word, I have to do it now. I have to do it. The urgency it becomes an obsessive type of thing for me mm-hmm. and negative type of thing for me. And I think what God wants us to do is to know his peace in the midst of the urgency. So how do you balance that out? So you pray about it. Lord, okay, so my parents are that age mm-hmm. category. How often do I see them because I live in a different state? What are some ways that I can um, make sure that you know they have what they need, that I'm connecting with them, that I am living as full a life as I can, even though we may be separated? And- well, uh, and the Bible, this is where the Bible comes in handy on a topic like this. We're supposed to leave and cleave. You know what I mean? Sure. You're your own person. And well, yeah. so the expectation that and, you know, many most parents would say you you should be doing your own thing. You should be living your own life. Anyway. At the same time, looking back and not as you're having that memorial service with no regret, mm-hmm. that would be a lovely thing to happen. I think all of us, when we go to a funeral, we've lost a loved one. Man, I wish I had had one more chance. You're always going to think that no matter what. Dot, dot, dot. No matter what. Yeah. No matter if you spend every day with them. So if you're listening to this and perhaps you've, you've recently gone through a loss like that and just it's about balance. So, yes, there's an urgency to uh, when God opens an opportunity up. First of all, if that's an opportunity, a door that he's opened for you to walk through and for whatever reason you chose not to. Sometimes I think the enemy likes to throw fear at us and say, well, that person's now lost mm. forever. See, you're not the only tool in God's toolbox. That's right. There are plenty of other people. Now, if you said, no, you've missed an opportunity not only to bless others, but to receive blessing is what I think. But God has also another situation aligned. You, Oh, okay. That guy's attorney is going to hinge off of whether Rochelle is obedient or not. No. See, I don't I don't believe that's how God operates. Other people's salvation is not is not incumbent on on somebody else. Right. I mean, it's it just it just can't work that way because there are so many other opportunities. You're so right about that. And so to it should I, I hope this alleviates pressure, um, especially because the little things I'll deal with on a topic like this are I get to I get to see my parents more than th- that guy sees his. And I every time with the, our schedule, we get up early in the morning and I'm like, man, I, I want a nap. Mm. But for the four days they're here on any given month. I I feel bad about that, you know, for taking a nap. It's like, man, they're here. It's not, I don't even think long term like that. I'm just thinking, man, it's this trip. They're here, and I I feel bad two hours while they're just sitting there on the couch or whatever else. <laughs> but they're your parents, and they love you, and they understand. And they get it. Sure. That's the way you would feel with your child. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the secret. Have them a grandchild, and they don't care about you anymore. So uh, I've really felt better about it the last year and a half. <laughs> I love that that was a secret to you. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. Um, but it's, it's, it is things like that that you—one you, you one is, no matter what, we'll always think that at a funeral. I, I wish I had more time with them. And then two is you literally can't spend every waking hour with any human being anyway. You're going to sleep. You're going to be in the bathroom. You're going to be at work. You're going to go to the drive through without. I mean, it's just not possible anyway. And so I think that is a really good balanced way to look at it. Uh, but it certainly does give me um, it certainly does give me uh, urge to 
you know, when I think about it, you know, uh, I have something fun. You know, call my dad, call, call my mom. Don't wait for the next trip. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it also spoke to me about legacy because recently the uh, Rolling Stones drummer passed away. Mm. Uh, I think Charlie Watts was his name. 80 something years old. They're going to go on tour again. They're yeah. all in incredibly great shape or, you know, shape enough to play a, a concert. Which is surprising because you hear that these rockers, they put their bodies through, you know. <sighs> Crazy gymnastics with uh, addictive type substances sometimes. Right, right. I don't know their story per se, but yeah. I, Crazy. That they're able to do that. And uh, the logo, I, it was always confusing to me as a child because I grew up in a Christian home that didn't necessarily listen to um, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's with the mouth? Yeah. And then yeah. I saw Jagger and I'm like, oh. You're like, you're like, and it made sense. You're like, Carmen would never do anything like that. <laughs> that was that was Rochelle's upbringing. A lot of our upbringings, in some way. Don't you mock me? <laughs> it's good. It's How a good you? good way you got brought up. Uh, but it, I was listening to another podcast, and it was just fascinating because it, they didn't do it disrespectfully. But the news broke that uh, the Rolling Stones drummer had passed away. So they come back on and they say, um, hey, uh, want to acknowledge this, you know, he passed away and, and they played, you know, something from a song from a tribute. him. Yeah. And then they said, wow, yeah, you're going to go on tour, right? Yeah, they were. Wow. All right. So the game this weekend, they, yeah, they transition. Boom. And the, of course, they have to. Mm-hmm. It was a sports one and they, they got to talk about that. But it just spoke to me of life is a vapor. Mm. This was a Rolling Stones drummer. Yeah. And he got a slight pause. Yeah. You know, uh, Michael Jackson, you know, it, it, you really want to think about the news cycle. Even somebody like Michael Jackson is probably just a week or so. Mm. I mean, the biggest stars on planet Earth didn't get you were telling me about Mozart, even yeah. in his time, didn't get the recognition. Right. He was um, he died and was put in an unmarked grave. And yeah, it was super. I think he was thirty-five-ish, maybe when that he passed right. away. That sounds right. Um, yeah, this guy wrote his first opera, I believe, at the age of four. And we're talking about most would consider him one of the greatest musicians that ever lived. How dare you? I'm a Bach fan. Well, then you know what's interesting though is that people like Beethoven, I believe, studied at one point under him, or at least his students. Okay. And Mozart certainly wasn't appreciated in his time, but is, that's true of so many artists. And that's true. They're yeah. never appreciated in their own time. And it was towards the end of his life he writes, you know, Requiem, and it's just wow, it's unbelievable. All the accolades that you could even achieve during your lifetime, obviously, you can't take it with you. Right. So. Even if somebody tried to say, hey, you are recognized in your own time. Yeah, I mean, I, there's stars right now. I mean, you know, obviously Brad Pitt and, and George Clooney. I mean, people are certainly super recognized. famous and sure. recognized. But uh, Meryl Streep, you know, so tons of accolades. But how many people in two generations will know their names? How many people in four generations? Well, and if you had the opportunity to sit, with them, to sit down with those folks, especially if they're pretty grounded, they'd probably be the first to tell you. Does this doesn't matter to me? I am a mom. Mm, I would hope so. I am a dad. Yeah, that's what matters. And even then, God forbid you lose a child. Well, then where does that leave you? So there's so many things that we could fill up and, and choose to just. All right, I'm going to pour everything I got into this because this is what I know. But what happens when that fails you? When that leaves you right. unsatisfied? Hello, Rolling Stones. Right. Right. Well, and, that, and that was my kind of takeaway was uh, on that angle. It was don't don't live for the world. 
we know that as Christians. You know, I, I don't know your where, where you what you believe. You just maybe click on this podcast, but uh, as Christians, we're taught don't live. You know, don't be in the world or of the world, but be in the world. Right. Stand out. Don't live for this. Don't live for that. But we. I, I know pressures that we all go through to look a certain way or act a certain way, trying to impress people that don't that won't ever be impressed, honestly, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. There's always going to be critics. And for some reason, I find myself drawn to try to look a, and act a certain way yeah. when it just doesn't matter. Because just because you, you've said yes to Jesus doesn't mean the temptation goes away. Right. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fall out of line with recognizing that he says, if you drink of this water, and he's pointing to himself, basically, I'm living water. You'll never thirst again. Yeah. Clearly, if I'm trying to fill up as something else, then I have not been in contact with the well in a while. Yeah. So we're all guilty of filling up on stuff that doesn't matter my loaded baked potato card or maybe mm, amen <laughs> no but and, and you know with both of these it's it's with the time that i have mm. the urgency in a healthy way and also the urgency in a healthy way for the stuff that matters yeah you know it was it, my my funeral matters, uh yeah. my kind of kind of view of a funeral without actually having to go to a funeral with which thank god for that um and so it was a good kind of sobering mindset over those two uh, another thing that I just have, just because I think it's cool, this is this is really you can relate everything together. But this wasn't in the same my, my same mindset. I just thought this was so cool. In John seventeen, it's a great chapter. Jesus is praying. This is before Judas, you know, bit, bit officially betrays him. Like he, Judas is doing his thing. I think in this moment with the guards and they're coming for him. But here's Jesus praying, and I I, I think if you if you ever have trouble feeling the love of God. I think here's a scripture that will jump out at you. Uh, John 17, 20 and 21, uh, he's praying for his disciples. He says, my prayer though is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus prayed for you. Yeah. Zephaniah 317 is a random book nobody ever talks about, but it's one of the coolest verses that God sings over you. Yeah. Just a couple of those things that'll jump out. I love it. That's so cool. We were sitting in a a group setting yesterday talking about the story of Jonah. Mm -hmm. And one thing led to another. We started talking about John 316, probably the most famous scripture. Yep. Uh, By that one guy who's at every sports gathering holding up the sign. Yeah, that's right. That is right. But you know what? That was his way of sharing the word. And there you go. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, will have everlasting life Mm -hmm. is that verse. The verse that is right before it says almost exactly verbatim the same thing. John 3, 15. Except... The next verse includes the word love. So okay. it's, okay, so God, yeah, if you want to look out, go for it. It was interesting. We were talking about this. He said the difference being, it's like it got repeated, but I also want you to know why for God so loved. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born. No, John, no, that's three, five. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same. All right. Same, it's, same, uh, same chapter. Same spiel. Okay, here we go. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. 15, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. 
And then obviously it goes on to 16 from so there. Six, yes, 316. So then it includes love. And then to me, now this is just me kind of, I don't know. Interpretation. Having fun. Okay. So it's like, first of all, I want you to know, if you believe in me, you're going to be saved. Why? Because God so loved the world mm. that I'm going to I'm going to set this up for you. Yeah. And then the 17th verse, it says, for God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through the son might be saved. So how does he love? Well, he doesn't condemn. Yeah. And I just, man, we got to grab hold of that truth. I, I get wanting to hold people accountable, but that's God's job. Mm-hmm. And I want to grab hold of the love part, that love angle, because that's the centricity. The, the, there's the two verses that bookend it. If you believe, you will be saved. And then there's the one about no condemnation. What, what brings it together in the middle there is that for God so loved. I, I like what you said earlier. We were talking about this topic in, in bigger fashion. And um, I think it is important that when people say, what do you think about whatever hot button issue? Yeah, my opinion really doesn't matter. Uh, now I, I think it's a good, healthy thing to point to what scripture says. And if, especially if a, a Christian is saying, no, it doesn't say that. Well, let, let, let's point to what, what scripture actually says. I mean, yeah. there's the authority, right? Uh, but a lot of times it'll just be in casual conversation. Well, what do you think about, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I think, does it? I think we always have to, well, I think there we go again. We've, <laughs> I've been very like, there are the podcasts that you probably listen to where it's like, I'm very adamant. What does scripture say? What does scripture say? And absolutely, you should always read by that. But I, I think I need to add the the Jesus filter to when I read. Um, take it always back to the cross of Christ, which what is that? It's grace. It's grace manifested is what the cross of Christ is. And so, Lord, as I am reading through your word, I want to take it through that Jesus cross filter place. What does this mean for me today? And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're going to breathe life through this, and I may get something different out of it today. And so that's where we, we talk about, you know, interpretation and such. Um, my opinion, this is what I'm thinking. Ooh, this is really, really good. Um, there are people out there that are seeking just as hard, and they're looking for, sometimes they're looking for justification, even for actions that yeah. we don't necessarily agree with, because we feel in black and white, it's right there, you're not supposed to do it. Right. But then there are people who, I, I see them on a truth journey and I want to just, I don't want to get in the way of, of that Holy Spirit time between them and God, because God is going to bring things in the fullness of time, the process of time. He is going to bring truth into their world. And just like he does with me on a daily basis where I mess up, where I didn't even realize I was, I was mess. I'm sinning when I'm acting this way. Mm-hmm. And I have to remember to take it through that, that Jesus filter. Lord, I want to identify as you, Father. So help so, me. Uh, let me ask you here, because th- I think this is an interesting conversation, because uh, in the world that we live in, mm. uh, with the Christian love that we should should have, uh, it is a, a really hard thing, it, however well we know the person. Um, certainly, we've stated on this podcast, if we... If it's a complete stranger, maybe you don't feel the responsibility to speak into their life <laughs> unless asked, you know. Mm. Um, but let's just say one of your kids, God forbid, got into something bad, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of addiction or, or sure. something. Um, where would the line be on 
holding them loosely and letting, like you said, God work, you know, I mean, nothing is done without the spirit of God. We don't have breath in our lungs without the spirit of God. But then at the same time, he's put breath on our lungs and and given us knowledge of scripture to be able to share truth when, and so what do you tell, maybe your kids about example, because of course you'd say something to them, but maybe, let's just say me. Maybe not. Let's just say me. Maybe it's a good example. No, you maybe think immediately of a family member who has had to walk very carefully with his children. Okay. Because of the divorce situation. Okay. Because there is now two households with two sets of rules. And so, uh, yeah, knowing, Lord, I want to speak your truth into my child's life. But obviously, I think what we fail to remember is that it's not our words, but our actions that are always going to be observed by those around us. Yes, your words. Look, God spoke the word and the word was made flesh. And if his spirit is in you, then your words have power, too. So that's that's right. a thing. However, when you when I see you living out Jesus and I can I can spot it a mile away with some people. I just you get a sense about it. Like, well, there's somebody who knows the Lord. You know what I mean? Um, that speaks so much louder, especially with teenagers, I think, because they're going to watch you. You can you can preach to me all you want. Right. Well, I'm going right. to watch what you say. But um, in terms of like speaking into it, he my my relative has had to hold his child loosely in that way that you're talking about because she has she has tripped in some ways in life that he is now no longer able to get to her. Mm -hmm. She is an adult. She is making choices. And all he can do is, is aid her here, aid her there. And the rest is on the knees. I, Holy spirit, this is your work now. I can't do anything. I even spoke with a lady yesterday who shared that there was a, a friend in college who got so far gone. He just was dealing with cocaine addiction. And she said, we, we tried so hard to help him in any way that we could. And finally realized in their case we discovered we were enabling him. We didn't realize that we were, and we had to cut him loose. Mm. And it wasn't until he hit rock bottom, literally hit rock bottom, that he had this moment at the Salvation Army and rededicated his life to the Lord. And it was this complete redemptive story. And, you know, you hear from parents who pray for their children who are in prison, physical prison. Perhaps your child is in spiritual prison. Right. Uh, we can bang our head against the wall trying to make them listen, or we can get on our knees and pray and just continue to live out a life that honors Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So if that works for our children, it probably would work for others around us too. It's like, I can, I can share with you my, my scripture. This is what I believe. But when they see you acted out around you at work, at church, wherever you are in the grocery store, that is right. a person of character. I remember the Avengers <laughs> recently, Chris Pratt was under the magnifying glass. Now, I don't know his personal life, but he has certainly been very outspoken about his faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Regardless of what you think about it, you're like, well, I don't know. I've seen some of the movies he's been in. How is that a thing? He's rough around the edges. Yeah. He, But he is, he boldly has shared about his prayer life and, and he believes in Jesus. And uh, it was another actor in Hollywood that kind of was like, well, you go to this church and they don't. They don't like people who are of this persuasion, and I don't appreciate that. And I mean, just, yeah. I don't even know that they had a, re- I don't think they have a friendship or relationship about, like, why are you attacking this guy out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. And it was Robert Downey Jr. who comes alongside and said, dude, I've, I've worked with Chris. 
that man is legit. Yeah. He's real. Yeah. And this is the way he believes. He is a, a solid guy. Uh, this is what he believes. Leave him alone. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because he lived out a life alongside this fellow actor who recognized, doesn't necessarily attest to the faith that he does, but, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was, there's a great example. No, I think that's really good. I, you know, I've been encouraged in the last year of, with it, when it comes to the gospel itself, you know, the, the message of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, yeah. uh, that it is information mm-hmm. and I have to use my words to get the information out there. Sure. Um, but at the same time, once the, especially if it's like we we're talking about with kids and, and people that, uh, you would already know mm-hmm. whether they've heard that before or not, yeah. then at a point, all you can do is pray and live it out. And, yeah. you know, and prayer is a great work. So we always say all you can do, but we always want to be physically involved we'll somehow fix and, and fix it ourselves. <laughs> uh, but prayer and then living it out. And, and I, I mean, that's so true of, you know. I don't know. It's hard sometimes because there are other faiths and beliefs that um, certainly can have good morals. Mm-hmm. And so, but at the same time, when you have the information of the gospel and the facts about sure. who Jesus was mixed with somebody like you or I, or you listening, living out a life, I mean, I think it's going to show a lot of people there's something to this. You know, Philip was on a road he was taken up by the spirit. It says he's on this road and he's presented with an opportunity. He hears this guy, um, an Ethiopian gentleman, and he's yeah. riding along, reading through Isaiah, has no idea what he's reading. And Philip has now an opportunity to speak into it. Well, can I, can we talk about Do it? Do you know what you're reading? Yeah. Do you know what you're reading? So there's an opportunity presented. Um, there might be moments like that in your life. Perhaps those are the ones that God presents to you. Or perhaps you're like the Apostle Paul who goes and looks for the meeting places that he can speak into. I think there's opportunities all around us where we can use our words. Uh, But perhaps, um, you know, there are silent partners, too, (laughs) in terms of uh, the opportunity has not been open to you. We talked last week about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and everybody knew they were Jewish, knew what they were about because their actions had presented it as such. They knew who these men were. And it it wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't read about any, uh, you know, open uh, meeting hall moments with them where they're boldly professing, you know, you need to follow the Hebrew God. Uh, but yet God still gave them an opportunity to where even Nebuchadnezzar ends up bending his knee to God. You know, it's it's one of those things where you just have to, there is no one size fits all answer when it comes to sharing Jesus with people, because when Jesus himself shared himself, it didn't always look the same. Right? No, yeah. No, I think that that is very interesting because there are so many lines where Jesus let people walk away um, at the same time. I've wanted to because I think for years I believed I smiled at a person at a drive through. They know about Jesus now. <laughs> well, no, they don't. No, they don't. Um, but that can be a start to if I attend that place regularly. Yeah. Yeah. My action can lead to them lending an ear Absolutely. and having it worthwhile that maybe I'm going to say something uh, that's nice and then I'm able to share the gospel. And knowing when it's an open door opportunity yeah. or yeah, just you being, <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, mm, this is probably too strong a word, but sometimes we feel like we get guilted into you have to do this right now because yeah. everybody else is doing it. Here, give this, give that. If, if, if God has asked you to do something, then do it. Absolutely. 
But if you are forcing mm-hmm. something onto somebody in that moment, do you believe it's like somebody coming to your door when you just started to eat dinner and they're asking you, hey, do you need the service done? Oh, yeah. Now, most of the time, they're very, the people who come to my door are very nice. They're like, hey, just if you need this. But they won't go come. away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're nice, but they won't go away. Um, yeah, don't. <laughs> But they'll usually take the hint because they'll, oh, they'll knock on the door. They don't force themselves into our house, per se. So right. don't force yourself in. Jesus knocks. Yeah. He, yeah. He knocks at the door. He doesn't force himself in. Well, and I've, I heard a pastor recently share, I don't like to do the, um, uh, unless it's just like so obvious that they believe. He's like, I don't, I don't do the sinner's prayer thing. You oh, know, okay. Because it's about belief. It's not an and and every pastor will say that it's not about these special words that you're going to recite and it you oh. know it saves you, but it's the idea that it's okay to present the information, and then if they're just kind of thinking about it, let them continue to ponder it. Sure. And they'll maybe they'll come back for a second conversation. Oh, but I don't have a problem with the sinner's prayer per well, se. It's a the, template. Well, the thing that he said was this that I do like. What I don't want to do mm-hmm. is. Clearly, they're not ready mm-hmm. and they're just looking for something quick and easy. I do not want to give them false assurance right. that they repeat it after me so they're good and they're not going to think about this again. It's becoming, a, uh, we have to be careful as as followers of Jesus. We're not just obsessed with getting converts. It's about yeah. this discipleship. It's, it's, it's about authentic relationship. belief, yeah. genuine faith. And so to not just go say this prayer and you're good. Like yeah. it's, well, that's not, that's not what it is. Right. I don't know. It's very obviously we we've talked about a, a, a array of subjects here, but I think it's very fascinating in how we go about sharing information and also living out our faith. But they're they're certainly hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you are are you about done with the Old Testament? <laughs> so I'm I'm currently in Second Chronicles, but like I haven't even wrapped up like Daniel. And on uh, Daniel is one of those books that like Jesus quotes from Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, we remember the lion's den. We remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We might not have remembered that those two were in the book of Daniel. Uh, this is where, you know, we discover about, you know, the, literally, he lives through two empires. <laughs> you think about Babylon and the Persian Empire. Oh, I was thinking the Galactic Republic. and <laughs> <laughs> He's the Luke Skywalker <laughs> of now. But uh, this particular chapter i had to get in, intel from other people who are way smarter than me when it comes to daniel's vision of the four beasts now if you've ever Oof. read through some of his dreams and visions they're just he what's really interesting about daniel is like after he has visions he's so troubled by them he's like it doesn't even go into work mm-hmm. for days wow okay. so i i want you to <laughs> if you ever get tripped up by these visions from scripture like dreams they did too. I they did think. too. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because yeah. a lot of end times implications with the book of Daniel. Well, some people say, "Wow." Some something. people don't. Some people think the uh, a lot of interesting views. They think the uh, end times, the tribulation, already happened in 70 A.D. There's a lot of different views out there. So Daniel chapter seven. If you know about this book, um, first of all, I'm going to give you a Jesus reference. You know, what did Jesus always call himself? The Son of Man. Yep. Over and over again. That's a direct quote from Daniel. Oh, okay. Chapter 7. And uh, I think that's just an interesting picture. The son of man. How does he use it? How does Jesus use it? No, Daniel. Well, I'm going to tell you. So he has this dream, very upsetting dream. I don't know that I've ever had one so vivid that I would remember it. 
except from childhood. And it was about this cowboy who was being chased by I, robbers or something like that. And like he runs into a wall and when he turns around, he starts crying and there are scrambled eggs on his face. And Scenes? Goes, I'm going to tell my mom and then runs off. And that is what I remember as a child. That's, that's the my vivid dream from childhood. I, I once had a dream that a hamburger was eating me. A baked potato with bacon <laughs> A loaded baked potato. That's right. <laughs> but this guy, has a he has a dream about these four beasts that come up out of the river. And whenever you get imagery like this, it generally is representative. It's symbolic of a kingdom. And uh, I mean, we don't have to get into all of that. But if you ever want to read a trippy chapter, this is the one. So Daniel chapter a, a 7. A trippy chapter? Did I say trippy? I don't know, but tribulation? I just, I was like, that'd be good if you did. There are a couple schools of thought yeah. in regards to these beasts right. and who they represent. Some are like, well, this one represents, uh, you know, maybe the Assyrian going into Babylon, Persian, then Roman. Uh, perhaps um, there was this guy who was very influential before, like, I think his name was Antip. Oh, gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. Let me look it up here. Hang on. Give me a second. What's cool about the Anything But Quiet Time podcast is we have Bibles right in front of us. Now back to the podcast. Oh, go ahead. I couldn't remember Antiochus, but he was a guy who was not great. In fact, uh, coming out of his oppression, I guess you could say, we we observe Hanukkah. I believe that is accurate. Okay. Um, Because he set up the idol. Like, he set up stuff in the temple. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Not good. Which is... uh, very related to sure. what is going to happen in in more than likely of the if if that's interpreted correctly of the end times. So people speculate this way that and understandably so symbolism is thick mm-hmm. in scripture, and so uh, two schools of thought. This has already happened. What Daniel is dreaming because there are these beasts that come up and out, and then there is this like, like this giant beast that doesn't even have a description. They're like some that have some sort of uh, features that we understand, like a lion, a leopard. We would look at that and we're like, oh, okay, well, that kind of looks like this. Of course, yep. it has wings, so that makes it different. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but this this one beast has like just iron clamping teeth and just weird and he's got a bunch of horns on his head and then there's this one horn, it's got a bunch of eyes and it's talking and it's saying all this nasty stuff. Like about how good it is and how bad, you know, basically God is um, just self-absorbed talk. And Daniel's like, what the Sam Hill is all this about? There is references in this chapter that just got me real excited because I never heard it interpreted this way. Um, I'm going to read and you just you just listen. Okay? okay. So the fourth beast was stronger, more terrifying than the others. Huge teeth made of iron, like I said, Uh and what it didn't grind with its teeth, smashed with its feet. It was different from the others. It had horns on his head, 10 of them. Uh, and then I told you about the other horn. This big one had a bunch of eyes and a mouth that spoke with great pride. So Daniel wrote, thrones were set up while I was watching and the eternal God took his place. His clothing and his hair white as snow. His throne was a blazing fire with fiery wheels. Um, which sounds like the imagery that I just read in Ezekiel. Flames dashing out from all around him. Countless thousands were standing there to observe him, or to serve him, excuse me. The time of judgment began, and I watched closely to see what would happen to this smaller horn because of the arrogant things it was saying. And then before my very eyes, the fourth beast was killed and its body destroyed by the fire. 
The other three beasts had authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a while longer. And as I continued to watch the vision that night, I saw what looked like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he was presented to the eternal God. He was crowned king and given power and glory so that all people of every nation and race would serve him. He will rule forever and his kingdom is eternal, never to be destroyed. So Daniel asks, what does all of this mean? And it's interpreted. Um, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom to appear on earth. It's different from all the others. It will trample the earth, crush it to pieces. All ten of those horns are kings who will come from this kingdom and one more will follow. The horn will be different from the others and it will conquer three other kings. Horns are images uh, used throughout scripture as well. There's even a psalm that references the um, horns will be cut off Mm, and things like that. But uh, it's interesting, the passage that I just read, we can observe that, yes, these horns represent different kings and kingdoms. The different beasts that came out could even be representative of different empires. And certainly there are many schools of thought. Yes, this is exactly what this means. Or even modern schools of thought. These are the countries that these represent. I've heard that about presidents. And then I've heard that about countries too. Yeah. But the beast references. Beasts are always represented when things get uncontrolled. Nebuchadnezzar turns into a beast even at one point, eating grass alongside the beasts, nails growing out, hair looking crazy. Why? Because he disrespected God at one point. He's like, look at my kingdom. It's wonderful. All the things that I have allowed to have happen when God clearly spoke through Daniel and his three guys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that God had had ascended him to this place of power. And so in that moment, he is struck down as a beast. When we get to a place where we are no longer making choices that are good, you know, we're kind of just doing instinctual stuff. And I heard it shared that, look at, look at beasts, look at dogs. They're very instinct is right. I mean, Thor, for whatever reason, he knows he's home. This is my little chihuahua. He's nine years old when we got him. We found him on the street. He, he's been broken, literally. His lower jaw is completely broken. I tell you all of this to say, he now, for the past year, has lived in our home and knows he's home. But there are some instinctual things that my dog cannot get over. I don't know why he feels the need, no matter how many takes, times I take him outside, to mark. After he's done with his meal, like, I was here, this was mine. I'm like, wait! Mm-hmm. Instinct kicks in. How do bears know where they can get salmon? How do salmon know to go upstream? How are they? these are instincts? They have no choice. It's in them to do so. Yeah. This is how we are separated from the beasts. We have choice. We take ourselves back to a place as is like a beast when we choose to do the knee-jerk response thing when we choose to just let instinct take over and not even worry about, what does God say about this? Mm. Now I'm going to read to you a passage. Jesus is being accused by Caiaphas, the high priest, and he is about to be nailed to a cross. And in this moment, he is not surrounded by kingdoms, but people 
who have allowed other things to take over the true throne of their lives. Because Caiaphas, notably, along with, I believe, his father-in-law, were sketchy at best. They were not great leaders. There were good men in synagogues. There were good men who loved the Lord with all their heart. Uh, I don't know that Caiaphas was one of them. And this is what Jesus is being asked by the high priest who stood up and said, why don't you say something in your own defense? Don't you hear the charges they're making against you? But Jesus did not answer. So the high priest said, with the living God looking on you, you must tell truth. Tell us you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And what's great about Jesus, he goes, well, you said it. (laughs) But I tell all of you, soon you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right side of God all-powerful and coming on the clouds of heaven. After the beast tramples the Son of Man, what happens? I'm going to read it again as I get chills, okay? I saw what looked like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, and he was presented to the eternal God. He was crowned king and given power and glory. So in this moment, we could interpret because Jesus is in a room of Bible nerds who know exactly which chapter of scripture he's referencing. Right. He is basically calling them out. I am in a room full of beasts who are allowing instinct rather than choice, godly choice to be ruling their lives. But when I am trampled down by this moment, I will be ascended to glory. And I'm going to conquer this situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like, oh, my word. I, I mean, you, you could look at it that way, too. Oh, yeah. We are, in, in essence, guilty of putting up our own kingdoms. And our own worst enemy is not necessarily another's empire, but our own self-righteous, beastie type of, uh, I'm going to do what I want to do what I want to do because it's in me and that's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And it's not looking to God. It's not looking to that. And I see, we see it. It's cyclical over and over again, no matter how many times in the Old Testament I read that maybe Judah defeated the Ammonites this time. How'd they come back? The Assyrians, how'd they come back? You mean these guys are still around? The Edomites are still hurting them? They're still doing it because it's not about the defeat of a kingdom per se. It's about, it's about the, the ascension of the kingdom in our lives. It's not in, in all ways what is going to be our worst enemy is I think the threat of our own pride and that horn that horn that just kept yakking a pride prideful things it has to be dethroned in my world Mm. you know what i mean yeah so there's a lot of food for thought there i know that's really good it reminds me i had the thought of you know things like you know our our instinct and what we want to do and Mm. what we go along with and things like um how obviously it's still a hot debate and hot topic but how women were treated mm. in this country or, or anywhere uh, in, before the last 5, 10, 20 years. Okay. 
you know, I mean, especially you watch some of those old shows and, you know, the derogatory things that, you know, uh, men would say. Not not all. I'm not trying to to even get too into that hot debate. But you've seen where what could be gotten away with lasted for decades. Mm. And now there was a reckoning uh, in a way, a Me Too movement. And you have you, you can't say that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. You can't. And I just see where there's so much other things about how we live our lives where eventually there will be a reckoning. Mm. Well, that was just the norm. Well, that was instinct. Well, that was uh, just what we did. Well, that was American culture, you know, from uh, the time I was alive. And if, eventually God says, that wasn't it. Mm. That you shouldn't have gone with instinct. You know, I think that is a fascinating thing that we can, because so many people around us may do something, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we should do it. We're image bearers of God. We were made in the image of God. We are literally, I mean, that's why you don't need idols because you and I bear his image. <laughs> we, yeah. we literally, we, the potential, Lord, that's why he wanted a relationship with us. Is like, I, you're mine. You have the potential to reflect who I am and, 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 and take care of what I've given you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we are refusing that and confusing that with my right to my right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm I, no longer, it's like, well, it's not a choice because it's just instinct or whatever. I no, we always have a choice. Um, it's just, it's, it's powerful when you start connecting the symbolism throughout scripture and how Jesus would revisit these parts of passages even then, I know he's talking to the people in the court. Even then, he has compassion on those folks saying, it's not too late. I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. And though I may be trampled in this moment by pride, because all he did was miracles. All he did was love on people. All he did was miraculous things. And yet he was crucified by this group of men. Uh, they saw to it through Rome. Yeah, and blamed Rome, but they made it happen. And... uh I know even then he was speaking in a way that they would understand and there's still redemption because I, you know, the son of man coming on clouds, being in the eternal presence of God. I just, wow. Anyway. That's cool. That's good stuff. Thank you for hanging out with us. Rochelle and Carter, the anything but quiet time podcast. Don't forget that hopeondemand.com has a whole bunch of other good stuff, other podcasts, uh, other videos, uh, daily devotionals, hopeondemand.com. 